Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of a Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Steve Wiss. I'm joined as ever by Jonathan for Dugbert. Hello Jonathan, how are things? Hi Steve, hi everybody. Facebook's down, Twitter's down, Instagram is down, so where else to be but the Nordic Football Podcast? Uh, we've had a bit of difficulty scheduling the show, haven't we, Steve? It's just back to the old days of like SMSs. Um, as this global shortage has gone out, I don't know what's happened, if it's been hacked or whatever, but uh, hopefully you're doing okay and you're still able to connect. And I'm very well, Steve. Good to hear. Yes, it almost felt a bit old school today, actually. I wasn't getting many messages come through and I thought, have I, have I suddenly become very unpopular? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but um, it kind of reminded me, like, like you know, very old school. But uh, I don't really, I think, I think things are back on and off a bit right now. What matters the most is I'm recording with you and the uh, the app, the particular app that we're using is is absolutely fine. But yeah, I'm doing well. I'm, I must say I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the international break this time, not because I like international football, but because I could just do with a couple of weeks to unwind after a really hectic September where there's been a lot of action, uh, you know, in the footballing world and the sporting world in general, actually. Yeah, and we're going to start in, in, in Norway this week. I mean... Anyone who hasn't listened to your interview with Tom Dent from last week, uh, that was a great show, by the way. I uh, really enjoyed it. It was great to get uh, Tom's insights into sort of mental health and management. I thought that uh, Tom really has, he's kind of matured, hasn't he, a lot since uh, our first few episodes. Um, we've had him on the pod in the past, but he really sort of was giving it the manager talk and that. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was pretty impressed. Um, so, yeah, well done to you on that and to Tom. Uh, and we are going to start in Norway this week, aren't we? Uh, we've also got a special guest coming on. We're going to cover Denmark as well later in the show. And, of course, uh, Sweden to come later as well. So got the whole of, well, not the whole of it, but most of Scandinavia locked for you today. So stay tuned for this episode. Steve, I'm going to start you off with the big game. My boys, uh, Christians and Rosenborg, um, is the game I'm going to start off with because, yes, my, my boys are still third in the table as I look at it. And that was a pretty pretty big game, isn't it? And I, I noticed that you uh, were sort of dodging the result. Uh, Rumour has it you were running scared uh, once he saw the result of, uh, of Chris, the mighty Christensen defying you once again. Uh, I don't know if these rumours are true, if you might want to address them. But uh, before you do that, I'll just read out the scores so everyone's updated uh, from the latest round. Uh, started on 2nd of October. Sarpsborg 2, Lillestrom 1. Viking 2, Sanderfjord 1. Mjöndalen 1, Brand 1. Odd one, Mulder three, Starbeck nil, Budiglim three, uh, Tromsø two, Haugesund nil, Wallerenga three, Strums Godset nil, and Christiansen, my boys, one, Rosenborg nil. Now, Steve, I'm kind of starting to really nail my hammers to the Christiansen master, I have to say, uh, just for the way they defy you constantly. Uh, what do you have to say about this game? And uh, is it true the rumours that you were kind of running scared at the might of Christiansen? Well, let me firstly, let me just address the Tom Den thing. You, you were saying he's matured a bit, and I think he's really come on. It was a fantastic interview with, with Tom Dent, and it would be unfair of me not to actually mention some results from the Obos again, first and foremost, that since the interview with Tom, he uh, he's picked up an excellent 3-0 win against Frederikstad, high-flying Frederikstad, um, which was a big result for them. Unfortunately, he lost against Kay from Oslo, another team currently in the playoffs. Um you know, I don't give it the Obos League end enough um, spotlight on this show. And, you know, at the moment, it looks strongly like Ham Cam on 49 points may well be coming up this season. Um, and it looks like Arlesundor or Yerv, perhaps Frederick Stat still could be in the mixer for automatic. But, um, 
yeah, you know, good luck to Tom there at Sturdle's Blink. And, um, you know, it's really tight in the in the bottom half of that table. Uh, he's doing a tremendous job there at uh, a semi-pro club and, and we wish him all the best. But great interview. Well worth listening if you haven't already. Um, but, yeah, it was about an hour's, hour's, hour's long depth and uh, a lot of people said that they were, were, were enjoying that. Now, uh, uh, well... What was the, I forget your line of inquiry now, Jonathan? Ah, uh, convenient, yeah, convenient. Uh, you do seem to have a sort of a Men in Black James Bond star memory when it comes to Christensen, but uh, Christensen, Christensen, that's it, that's it, that was it. Yeah. Have, you um, have you heard of them? Christensen won Rosenborg nil. Well, <laughs> I, I, I kind of, you know, we had the five o'clock kickoffs finish. I went in for a uh, a quick snack in the kitchen. I come back. Um, I actually missed the first minute of the match and all I saw was that Christensen had got a penalty and that Rosenborg coming down to 10 men. And there was an instance in this game, after 16 seconds, I think it was officially clocked up, the actual challenge, that um, Adam Anderson was given his marching orders, Rosenborg uh, right back, um, for uh, a cynical challenge, which basically denied a clear goal-scoring opportunity, which for me... I, some people might say this is red. For me, this early in the game, it's a yellow. Because despite being cynical, you just don't often see a referee doing this sort of thing after 16 seconds. Uh, anyway, Christensen um, actually missed the penalty um, and then scored uh, just 10 minutes later. Snor Strand Nielsen, who I actually mentioned in the last uh, episode, didn't I? As a player to watch out for. Uh, great name. Um, he made it 1-0 and it stayed 1-0. Christensen had an incredible XG in this game, a 4.59 versus Rosenborg's 0.31. They absolutely battered them, especially in the first half. They, they, they absolutely, I don't know how this ended 1-0. It should have ended 4 or 5. But uh, this was a major test for Rosenborg. You know, they were back in the title race. To be honest, after that loss, they're seven points off now with nine games to go. They've got to go away to um, Buda Glimt. I think they've got to go away to Mulder. They might might well be out of the title race now after that one. Forget Rosenborg for a minute. Christiansen are third in the league. And I've been saying this all season, you know, you, they're going under the radar, going under the radar. You know, you said they they might be out of the title race, Rosenborg. Rosen, Christiansen are above Rosenborg. Uh, now a point ahead of them. Six points off it. Can it be done, Steve? The, the thing is, they've got an unbelievable home record. They've won nine out of 11 games at home. They lost very, very early on this season um, against Buda Glimt at home, which was no no problem with that. Um, this It was a full house at Christiansen. The place was rocking. It's a horrible, horrible place to go and play football. I don't think anyone... And Mulder lost there recently. Um, it's just a, a, a horror... It's like a combination of like Stoke City, Anfield, Ellen Road, all in one, a small... Where the, the pick, you know, the, the capacity is only about 10,000, I think, probably less. But the, the the fans are right on top of you. It's just, and then the players get inspired from from this atmosphere. They're really, really strong home side, and you just don't want to be travelling there. But they can't win against Rosenborg and Mulder and then lose against Bram, as they did the previous week. You know, they do have some problems away from home this season. They've lost six times out of ten. So if they are going to, I mean, I, you know, they are six points off the top of the table. She's, you know, that's still quite a significant chunk. Um, the key for them is these away games. You know, can they get points in some of these away games um, to to keep up their the pressure? Because at home they look really dominant, uh, especially when they're kind of like the underdogs. They 
they almost they love being disrespected i think um christiansen almost prefer being like a dog um i don't think they're as good when they're the clear favorite and they're expected to win but then for some reason they, they always seem disrespected by the bookmakers by a lot of the pundits and i think they relish that and that is just their sort of match against rosenborg there yeah you know this team fascinates me i mean i'm just looking it's actually the but it's actually the birthplace of oligon assaults jar christiansen um the city and they were formed in 2003 when two rival clubs, Christiansen FK and Klausening and FK, uh, agreed to form together. And there's a bit of controversy, wasn't it? Because Christiansen FK still exists, but they went down into the fourth division. Um, and then it looks as if, you know, kind of this team merged and kind of got a sponsor and just decided to sort of continue and try and uh, basically replace Christiansen in the third division. It's almost like a, it sounds like a bit of an MK Dons type uh, Wimbledon situation maybe potentially um, hybrid anyway I'm not ent- entirely sure but they made their way up the leagues only founded in 2003 by the way so I think they're actually younger than Erling Braut Haaland as a club aren't they um, and yeah I mean they're a fascinating story I was going to ask you what you know what would you compare what team would you compare them to but I suppose that's given a little bit of background for those who don't know as you just mentioned their 4,000 capacity I have to say that you know, I'm, I try and be a bit impartial in this podcast, but they are. I'm seriously leaning towards this club. Uh, not too sure about your Anfield comparison, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm liking what I hear about Christians and uh, punching the noses of the big boys. Uh, made their way up the leagues. There's, there's a lot of compelling reasons here that for me to, to to quite like them. And I remember in 2017, this is when I first sort of they first raised my eyebrows because I remember you saying they're going to get relegated that year. And if I'm right, if I'm right in saying that year they beat Rosenborg at home as well, didn't they? Um, there was a game, wasn't there, to stay up? They always push Rosenborg close. If you look at the the head-to-head since they're coming to the league, all right, Rosenborg probably edge it in terms of results, but they've always pushed them close. I think there was a three-all draw. Um, there was two nil-nils last season. They always give them a good game. Um, Rosenborg have not enjoyed playing Christiansen since they come into the league. I tell you. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm even looking through the archives now, and the, yeah, I'm pretty sure, <clears throat> pretty sure I am right in saying that. Or well, maybe it was a draw. Yeah, three-three draw. Uh, and I remember thinking at the time, yeah, you, you know, you'd, I think you'd said that they were going to definitely get relegated. Benton the score, didn't he? He scored a late goal, yeah, late equaliser uh, for Rosenborg, and they didn't go down, and they've stayed in the league ever since. I mean, what? This would be their best ever season, wouldn't it, Steve? What, what yeah. team would you sort of compare them to if you're the playing style and that kind of thing? Because we've got to give them some credit. Well, the counter attacking, the, the counter attacking. I would compare them to sort of like a Brendan Rodgers side at Leicester, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I, I look at this. I'm looking now at my spreadsheet on paper. I'm like, how is this team in third place? Because they don't have the talent. It's honestly, it's in terms of talent, it's not that great a squad. It's not a bad squad, but in terms of talent, it's sort of mid table at best. All right, they've got a very good goalkeeper in Sean McDermott, but you know, I look at the rest of a squad, and you know, they lost key. They've lost key players like Pellegrino. Um, they lost uh, Scarsum to. Rosenborg, you know, there's a lot of rotation that happens in midfield and defence. You know, you, you can't, apart from perhaps sort of Hotmark and Snorstrand Nielsen, the gut keeper, and Mido D up, I rate him. That you could, you could say, no one's really nailed down a place in in the starting eleven. He does like to rotate the squad around. The manager's superb, Christian Mickelson. Um, you know, it's a very defined ta- style, a counter-attacking system, low possession. I've said before, I, I know exactly how I would play against Christiansen. I don't think enough teams do it. 
just let them have the ball, see what they can do with it. I don't think they'll be as good. Drop deeper, things like that. So, you know, if he if he suddenly switched to a top club, whether or not he would be able to be as good, I'm sure he'd be able to adapt. But, you know, say you went to Rosenborg, you can't live off 42, 44% of the ball, can you? Uh, a club like that just doesn't work. That's not the way it works. So, but, you know, he's a very good manager for them. Um, you know, he gets the absolute maximum out of the team. In terms of, I say, Leicester, Leicester, Leicester City is not a bad sort of comparison. But, you know, they're smaller than that as well. You know what I mean? In terms of actual stature, they're sort of more sort of bottom end of the Prem, top end of the Championship short of stature, really, in certain Norwegian terms. So they really are continually overachieving to a magnificent level. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the top scorer charts, the top scorer in the league is Oe Omuwanfo with 22 goals. Christensen's top scorer, if I'm right in saying, has got five goals. So they're clearly, clearly spreading things around. Snor Nielsen with five goals. Um, a few interesting other tidbits before we move on. Noah Solskjaer, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's eldest son plays for the team. He's out on loan at the moment at Sundal. Uh, so I think the Christensen-Solskjaer uh, link is definitely there. He, I think they were born there as well. So it seems like it's his hometown. And also, uh, pod alumni, friend of the pod, Armin Asgar, plays for Christensen as well, doesn't he? And I know you interviewed him a while back when he was at different clubs. So yeah, I've got a Got to, we've got to give some focus to this team because they've been doing so well. Uh, I'm definitely going to continue trolling you about this team, Steve, for as long as they are anywhere near the podium. Uh, do you think they will finish top three? Uh, no, I, I can't. I, I, I just, I, in the end, logical sense has to prevail. I mean, I, I just look at their final remaining fixtures now. They go to Lillestrøm away next, which is an interesting sort of game. Again, they're, dis- they're disrespected in that. Lillestrøm are odds on favourites. Um, but they got home games against Sarsborough. They should win that. They should beat Tromso at home, Beacon at home, Valorenga at home last game. I would imagine they could probably win out all the remaining four home games. You know, away from home, they've got some manageable fixtures, but they, they sometimes prefer not being the favourite. So that's going to be an interest, interesting dyma- dynamic. I've got to think Rosenborg finish above them, surely. That would be highly embarrassing for Rosenborg if they finish below Christiansen in the table. Um, so if I had to pick a number, I would probably say fourth for Christensen because Lillestrøm look like they've gone off form a bit. Viking are very wishy-washy. They can probably finish fourth, but I, I, I don't think they can beat Rosenborg to third. Always a doubter on Christensen, so let's see how they get on. Uh, moving on to the, the title race, obviously, we, we've, got a, we've got a nice sort of exciting-looking title race here, really. Good glimpse of Mulder separated by three points in going into the international break, uh, plus 25 goal difference, both of them. Uh, Mulder has scored more goals, uh, seven more goals. And of course, Budagun has conceded seven less. So good defence versus good attack, I guess. Uh, versus, uh, So, yeah. Um, you've consistently said Mulder will win the title. Obviously, it's a three-point gap at this moment in time. Uh, Budagun are in quite good form, aren't they? They've won five of the last six games, drawn one. Uh, Mulder have had a bit of a rocky rocky sort of last six games, haven't they? Lost two of them, uh, drawn two and won two. Sort of fairly convincing wins for both sides this this past week. Um, you know, Starbeck nil, Budaglimp three, and Odd one, Molder three. How was the European? Because Budaglimp Budaglimp had Conference League action as well, didn't they? Um, last week, what was the? You know, can you update us on them in the Conference League? And and also, you know, what's your outlook on the tight race? What's the what's the latest? Yeah, well, pre-season in the actual um, in the. Oh, and, sorry. Before you do that, just a comment on the Christians and Rosenborg. Yeah, you, if you haven't seen it yet. Definitely worth watching that red card after 16 seconds. Uh, Adam Anderson, for me, it's a definite red card. 
Uh, it would not be given at Anfield, uh, if, especially if his name's James Milner. But uh, <laughs> uh, for me, it's a definite record. But it's quite an interesting one to watch if you get a chance. First 16 seconds of the match, it's quite rare you see that. But yeah, just had to sorry, I just had to throw that in there because uh, that's a very interesting talking point that you raised. Um, but yeah, sorry, go on, Steve, about uh, Gloom. Yeah, maybe we need to get a poll out there for that red card. <laughs> was it a red or was it not? But um, yeah, I mean, I was looking back at my predictions in the season preview podcast. And I had Budigan to win the title and I had Mulder in third, actually, with Valorant in second. Um, but ever since sort of round six or seven, I've said Mulder, haven't I? Joe, for the first time since those early days of the season, I'm, I'm probably leaning more towards Budigan now. Got to be honest with you. Because what they've shown in the last few weeks is what I would call the mentality of champions, where they have just done what is needed to do to get results. They've ground out results. They've nicked some late goals. Reminiscent of sort of United in the Fergie days at times, uh, Jonathan, you know? if they, 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 You know, they, they're keeping clean sheets. They're mixing Europe at the moment quite well. Um, they got a, they beat uh, Zoria at home in the uh, Europa League, uh, sorry, Conference League group stage. And then they backed that up by winning at Viking 3-1, which is a tough game. They went to CSKF, CSK Sofia, drew nil nil just three days later went to starbeck away and won three nil and that is not as easy as it sounds because starbeck have been digging in recently and they've they switched to this new formation with three different center backs you know that was a banana skin it's not an easy place to go and they managed to dig in there in the second half and get three goals i said they're showing the, the mentality of champions that they're kind of when you're getting results you know it's not they're not flashy like last season buddha glint but they're getting the results molder Yes, they beat odd 3-1, but they just seem far more vulnerable defensively. And the defensive frailties have cost them. The three points behind Buda Glimp, the two teams do meet each other in a few match days' time. And that, that could be the one that determines the title. 27th of October, that is. That is in um, three games' time. So, I mean, that could be a title decider, uh, especially if, you know, if Buda Glimp were to win it. You know, it looks like Molden might have to win that match at this point in time. Um I've been worried by their defence. There's too too many poor teams have scored goals against them, and they need to, they're relying obviously on outscoring sides. But I really have been impressed with Buda Glimp's mentality of champions recently, mate. And um, I've got to give kudos to them. And it's close, but I'm almost leaning towards them. They've got a double header against Roma though coming up, so that could you know that could be killer, couldn't it? How they come through the Roma fixture is going to be massive. Yeah, but time. Bjorkan and Coombson on the score sheet. Uh, if you haven't seen the goals, by the way, um, Bjorkan, Freddie Bjorkan's goal is, is, was a lovely, lovely breakaway. Really nice attacking move there from, from Glimp, kind of the Glimp that you expect. Um, yeah, nice, some nice football, as you said. And, and one thing that I, I noted on the Tom Dent uh, interview was what you said about Kiesio Knutsen and kind of the Buda Glimp way and the, the high standards. I was very interested in that, in fact, you know, just trying to understand uh, how he Im- impl- imp- implements that high standards of leadership. Um, that was a very interesting talking point. And he did say, didn't he, he might go back to Glimp one day. So uh, you never know. But yeah, no, big, big win for them. Uh, and obviously in Europe, uh, how did they get on, Steve? Yeah, got that nil-nil away at CSK Sofia, which is a, a good result. I think, um, you know, they've got the double header against Roma coming up soon. Um, they go to Rome first on the... Sorry, no, they're home against uh, Roma first on the 21st of uh, October. And they the match they've got after that is Strom's Godset away, which is a difficult away game. And then they got Mulder at home three days later in a midweek round. So 
when that could be the season there and then for them, you know, if they can come through that period um, with points in the league and, you know, they're going to enjoy their night against Roma. So far, they've managed to mix Europe and uh, the league much better than I thought, though. I thought I personally expected them to struggle, drop points, certainly performance be bad, but it's been almost the opposite, really. I th- it's a very good sign, isn't it? It just shows you how well-drilled and well-coached they are and what, and how strong the mentality is. Yeah, now moving on, you you, you uh, mentioned about your season preview predictions there. You got Wallerengo in second place. Well, as we look at the table at the moment, they're currently in, in, uh, in seventh. Now, I remember during the I remember during that uh, season preview, you were you were very confident about about Wallerenga in, in terms of what they'd done behind the scenes. You know, the manager, um, the recruitment, kind of you, you were quite quite positive about their their you know their future at the time. Um, is this just kind of teething problems? What's what's gone on with Wallerenga? Because we haven't really talked about them that much this season in the last couple of months. Um, so you know, where where what's your perspective on that? You know, what's happening? They're currently seventh, uh, played twenty one. Draw nine, lost five, one seven. Obviously, they got a, you know, they they got a good result this this week just gone. Uh, Beats drums, God said three nil. But what's what's been happening at Wallerenga? It's a combination of things, I think, Jonathan. If you look at their transfer window in the summer, they've lost some really key players. Um, you know, you, Aaron Donham, Christopher Clarsen, Sam Adekugbe. There was someone else as well. When you rip out the heart of a side like that, it's going to take some time, isn't it, for you to sort of get back on track a bit. But um, so I, I think I'll let myself off this one. I'm a harsh critic, but you, 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 I mean, I'm not, you can't really foresee such a, a massive amount of transfers affecting a side. It's not just that they've drawn nine times this season out of 21 games, and I think eight of those draws have been one-all draws and. That is so variable, isn't it? Those draws could go if just half of those have turned into wins. You know, they're up there sort of challenging, certainly for the bronze medal position. So I think that's what, what the problem was from early, early doors this season. The draws cost them too much and they, they got into this negative spiral. And then, you know, with the the transfers being poor for them, then, you know, that's that, that was another problem. So it's a combination of stuff. I'm not going to be overcritical with Wallerenga because, like I say, I think probably maybe a bigger test will, for them will be to come next season. And you know, Let's see where they finish. I've got a feeling Dag Elefagermo is the sort of guy who demands the most out of his team right until the, even a dead rubber at the end of the season. And that's a good thing. And I could, I actually have a sneaking feeling they could finish the season strongly. I think if they've had, actually played most of the big teams already. So it wouldn't surprise me if they make a late run at say fourth and fifth place. Um, so you know, I'll, I'll I'll judge them after thirty games, but I understand why they've they've not lived up to expectations. Yeah, and um, you know, you you I mean, to be to be fair to you, it sort of sounds like they've been a victim of their own success. So in some ways, you know, you you could almost say you're almost right in some ways because. You know, you, you've called them to do well, but they've done so. They've probably done so well that, that half the players have left. You know, and that that kind of it kind of shows that they have a good had a good squad, but probably almost too good. And, and they were a bit bit a bit too much over the parapet and and end up having to sell loads of players. One player they do still have, who um, is doing extremely well, uh, or well, I'm not sure, but he was did extremely well this weekend. Uh, Osam Sarawi, a 20 year old who we've talked about a little bit on this podcast before. Uh, he got two assists uh, in the win against Trump's God set. Uh, and then Lina Zutta scored a, a lovely free kick as well. So Rao, he was some beautiful dribbling uh, for a couple of his goals. How's, how's he progressing, Steve? Because he's someone who um, 
people who watch Norwegian football, they, you know, they <clears throat> there's a bit of a buzz about Sarawi, isn't there? Yeah, the problem is mid-season he suddenly became the, the top player in that midfield, and all the all, if I was the opposition manager, then you would just target someone like that, wouldn't you? Um, you know, going hard on them, double double team them, t- basically take him out of the game because they haven't really got anyone else who can make enough of a difference. And I think that's what the problem was when the likes of Donham left. Suddenly, all the focus of attention is on him. So, you know, it's been difficult for him to 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 adjust um, to teams just shutting him out of the game, and not enough other players stepped up in the mid part of the season. Now that a couple of sort of new players have, have stepped in and, and got used to a system more, then it's been a bit better. And I think Sahuiz obviously um, himself is is intelligent enough to realise what he can and can't do. Um, but um, yeah, he was obviously surrounded by probably better players at the start of the season, and then that's regressed. So it, it's difficult to judge him. But at the same time, I suppose it's a, it's been good to see him in a different light where he's had to really work hard for his chances and opportunities and things like that. He had a very good game against Godset, and uh, he looks like he's probably returning into a bit of form towards the end of the season. A, a good talent, well worth watching out for. Oh, Sim Sarawi, 20 year old <clears throat> at Wallarenga. Um, Let's move a bit lower down the table now because at the bottom, uh, mm. Tromso are kind of just about sticking their neck above above the parapet. You've got Bran, you know, just slightly climbing out of it. At one point, they looked dead and buried. Uh, then they had a sex party uh, full of booze on the pitch, uh, as we reported in the <laughs> one of the recent shows. Um, if you haven't looked into that, then it is as, it is as wild as it sounds. Um, but they've climbed into the relegation playoff now on 18 points. And then you've got Starbeck and Mion Dallin uh, in the bottom two. Uh, just looking at the results this, this past week, uh, Steve Mandalen got a point at Brand. That was quite a big game at the bottom. Um, and then also, of course, Tromso got quite a big win against Halgerson. Do you do you fear for me? I mean, two, two of these two of these teams. I'll be honest: Starbuck and Mandalen, two teams that I'm not. I don't know if I'm right in saying this or not, but I get the feeling you have a bit of a fondness for. Uh, am I am I right in or wrong in that? Maybe <clears throat> we've had obviously Eric Schoen on the pod, and we also had the Mandalen manager uh, on the pod, haven't we? And kind of you built up a rapport with both of them. Um, does it surprise you there? Does it surprise you they're down there? Is it? Is it? Are you worried? What's the outside, what's your look on outlook on the bottom of the table? Yeah, at the start of the season, I said for me, two teams would definitely go down: be Sandefjord and Mjøndalen. So it doesn't surprise me Mjøndalen are down there. I'm full of respect to the manager because remember this lot, uh, effectively a semi-pro club in many respects, very limited resources. Um, he's kept the side up with two two improbable survivals. And you have to give kudos, but I actually, I hope they go down actually for, for their own for their own sake because I think it's almost become painful watching them at times. They're doing their absolute best to compete at this level, but they're just they're fundamentally not good enough in terms of the, the squad and the players. And I, I really, I mean this in the nicest possible way. It, it sounds horrible saying that, but they probably would be better off at Obos level, um, considering the rest of the strength of the league in other places. They're not completely gone, um, but it's looking bleak because Bran outplayed them. If you watch that game, the highlights and stuff, Bran completely outplayed them. Um, Bran won't know how they didn't win it. It was very similar to Bran when they went to Tromsø and drew one all as well. Bran should have won the last four games. They are they're looking like a, a, a good side, to be honest with you. They look the best of all of the, those four teams down there. Um, and I, I think Bran will pull themselves out of trouble as long as they sort of avoid the pressure on them. But Tromsø have won two in a row now. They've they had a couple of good 
signings. You know, Christopher Cisse come in, um, experienced centre back. They brought in Zenek Ondrasek, one of their old players, nicknamed the Cobra, uh, ex Dallas player. He's um, a real fiery character, and I think the Cobra can, you know, strike literally when they need him most. You know, I think he, he's a really good striker who um, caused trouble and physical and also an emotional leader for the club. Um, so Tromso are certainly they've won for the home for the first time against Hargerson and Hargerson didn't show up they weren't bothered in this game and I've seen that before where teams go up north that far north and they just can't be asked you know and this was the first sign of it and if they're going to pick up three point a lot of easy points at home the rest of the season in sort of dead rubber games where sides are mid-table then that's good news for Tromso I am worried about Sanderfield I'm, I'm a bit worried about Sarpsburg and Odd as well I don't think either of them three sides are looking very good right now, but they've got points on the board, so they should be okay. But I think one of them three maybe could get sucked into it if they're getting a bad run because I see Brandon Tromso winning. And Starbeck are no mugs under Eric Schoen. I actually think Starbeck probably will go down, but they're no mugs at all. And, and I don't think they're going to uh, go down with a whimper. So it, it's all to play for. And I think there's a few sides just looking behind them you know they're looking over the shoulder and thinking mm, are we going to get sucked in yeah it was a really nice um really nice equalizer from Lars Larson and Mion Dallin actually they granted the lead and then 73rd minute uh 74th minute equalizer from Lars Larson it was a very nice equalizer Brand took quite a lot of fans as well looking behind the goal of that game it looked like Brand well supported um big scenes when they when they took the lead and it looks like they, you know, what, 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 just briefly, you know, without going too much details, but what's changed at Brand? Um, what are the key kind of headlines since that, you know, fame, infamous uh, incident? And what's changed is they all got the rocks off, didn't they? Um, but uh, at signings, Frederick Knudsen come in, a uh, big, set, powerful centre-half. Leonard Grill, the goalkeeper, he actually made a mistake, didn't he, for the equaliser? against me and Dallin, but he's looked quite solid. Sivert Helton Nielsen has looked class in midfield for them. In fact, he's the key man, really. I would say he's the main reason why they're starting to play there because they can control the game in the middle of the park now against even like some of the top sides. Um, you know, they signed some Bard Finner coming and done well. End of the day, I think that you look at this squad on paper now, you're thinking, yeah, it's quite decent. The managers made a difference. They're really fighting. And the fans, look, they're, they're well supported. They can take those sort of uh, amount of away fans, um, you know, and they're even winning at home now. They beat Christiansund at home last time. You know, that's a good win, isn't it, at the moment? So the, the next fixture is massive. It's start, uh, Brand against Starbeck. I mean, that's as big a six-pointer as you've seen. Um, at the moment, I, I would definitely favour Brand for that game. And if, if Brand were to win that, then suddenly Starbeck are, are getting adrift a by at least, you know, four, four or five points, aren't they? And then that's, that's what I could see happening. But there's a lot riding on that game. Um, but uh, Brand, Brand Tromso looked a lot better recently. And I'll tell you what, some other sides down there, they've got to start playing. Otherwise, the playoff spot, definitely someone like Sanderfield, Sarpsburg, or even Odd, could get sucked into it if they're not careful. Yeah, and just on Tromso, they're actually fifth best. In, they're actually the fifth best team in the league for expected goals against. Uh, 27.42, but conceded 36. So it certainly looks like Tromso are, you know, um, they're not too bad at the back. Maybe maybe a little bit kind of uh, just not quite performing up to their XG against. But uh, Starbeck, comfortably the worst team in the league for expected goals against 47.07 XG against. Um, <clears throat> funny enough, Christian's in second bottom. Uh, 41.51 XG against and 25 conceded. That's incredible. That's an incredible difference. Um, 16 goals difference. 
that is, I mean, I need to check that if that is that accurate or not, but that is incredible. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Um, we'll keep that quiet though, because it's, it's a positive episode about criticism. So keep that, keep that under your hat. But uh, I think that'll do for part uh, one. We're going to come to Sweden in part, uh, or the next part. And we've also got Denmark to come as well. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for this break and we'll let, you, we'll let you figure out which one comes next, Denmark or Sweden. Uh, stay tuned and we will wrap up everything in those two countries now. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined by Jonathan Fadugba. We're going to talk about the Swedish Alsvenskan um, now and there's only really one place to start and it's a case of Groundhog Day for Jorgarten. A defeat in a derby match. No real surprise in that. Um, a 1-0 win for Aikor against them and it means that both teams are tied at the t- top of the table on 40 four points so uh, yeah another derby defeat for your and jonathan did you expect this um well p- probably if you if you looked at the derby history you know we've talked about it so many times um on this podcast kind of your garden's terrible record they did look to have maybe got that off their back with the you know the win against hammerby um and you know the euphoria of that game when they when they sort of got you know got that win but you always felt with another derby to come around the corner, it could be a big ask for them to get. So, you know, you go 10 years with only winning a couple of derbies and then to, to ask to win two in, in the space of a month or so is, is probably quite difficult. Um, but having said that, you know, it was a, it was a, I think the first thing to say really is it was, it was a great return for Osvenskan, um in terms of fans. So obviously what happened this past week was the first week where the restrictions were completely lifted. Uh, on attendances, the caps on attendances and all that. So we had 42,000 in the stadium plus. Uh, sold out derby. Um, incredible, you know, atmosphere. If you weren't able to see the um, the scenes, I definitely recommend trying to find it online because the TIFOs, you know, before the game, they were, they were so good. You know, it was really like, welcome back to Osvenskan, if you know what I mean. The <clears throat> AIK had a TIFO. Uh, as a nine-year-old kid, there's been a lot of media about this kid. He, he was like a little, a small boy. And if you go on sort of Twitter or that, you'll see the picture of the TIFO. It was basically an AIK fan who's a nine-year-old child holding up a AIK scarf. And it was a quality TIFO. I mean, it looked incredible. Um, kind of, you know, just rose rose up from the stands. Uh, and Geogarden as well had a big sort of TIFO at the other end of the stadium. So it was really blockbuster, heavyweight. This is what we've been waiting for in Osvenskan kind of clash. Um, and... You know, I'll be honest, it's always the same thing that happens in these games. You The kickoff's delayed by 10 minutes because of all the <laughs> smoke. Uh, that's the first thing you can guarantee. And lo and behold, that's what happened. Um, <clears throat> but you can always also guarantee it's quite a cagey game, to be honest. This game was, I felt it wasn't huge. I didn't really think it was a hugely quality game. I'll be honest. Um, it wasn't a game that kind of sucked me in where I felt like, wow, this is amazing. But I think the, you know, everything around it, 42,539, uh, that was the attendance in the end. Um, <clears throat> just the kind of feeling of like this is a Stockholm, you know, this is a derby. You got, you got to experience it. I don't know how we got away with a year without fans. To be honest, it, 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 looking back on it now, it seems incredible. Um, but yeah, AIK took a big, big win, and it could be a big win in the title race. To be honest, um, they're both now joint on points. Uh, Dual is still top, of course, but just because of the goal difference. 
but it was a real sign that AIK are here to stay in this title race. And, um, you know, their, their form has been quite good. They had the shock result to Degafors. Um, but apart from that, their form has been really, really good since July. Uh, and, <clears throat> yeah, the goal from Stefanelli was crazy. Crazy incident, I have to say. Uh, he basically had already been booked, Stefanelli. So he he, uh, he fired the goal into the net. It was a nice, nice sort of a move. And he, he scored. He runs off and he takes his shirt off. And Seb Larson, being the wily old fox that he is, he runs to Stefanelli and sort of tries to jump on him. And he's literally like trying to hide him as if like, you know, <laughs> as if he's, you know, his little child or something. He's sort of trying to shield him, uh, trying to get away with it. And but it's too late. The ref's, the ref's already seen it, pulls out the yellow card, second yellow for Stefanelli. And he's off at half time, just before half time. Um, <clears throat> incredible scenes, really. It was brainless. But Jurgen had already gone down to 10 men. Um, and Rasmus Schuller was red card. And, and to be honest, he talked about, you know, you talked about kind of is it a red in the, you talked about is it a red in the, in a Christensen game, this was another one. It's like, was it a red card? Not entirely sure, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, it was then 10 v 10. And of course, that probably explains partly the dip in, in quality. It's still a good game with quite good intensity. But all in all, um, yeah, a massive win for AIK. And uh, just one thing to point out, by the way, five wins now in derbies for Bratos Grizzly. That is incredible since he took the AIK job. He's won every single Stockholm derby since he joined. Um, so... He is the talk of the town at the moment. He's very popular at the moment with AIK fans. He's really turned the club around. If you if you remember, go back to last season, Steve. He was um, AIK were in a bit of a crisis, weren't they? They kind of lost their identity. Um, you know, obviously got rid of their manager, brought in Grezelak, and he's really turned things around. I don't think anyone really expected them to win the title this season, but you know, heading into the final straight now, they're they're definitely in this title race with eight games to go. Yeah, I actually watched the second half of this game. Um... I mean, the the red card is a real theme, isn't it? This show today, red cards, actually. Um, there was another red in uh, Norway with uh, Viking earlier. But, um, yeah, I watched the second half, and to be honest, it didn't really suit me in either. It was, a, it was a bit of a boring match, I thought. It was just AIK just sat deep, defended Joga, and tried to sort of pass the lot aimlessly, really, at times, I thought. They probably could have equalised, maybe deserved an equaliser, but they never really looked like scoring to me. Um, and our kid is defended very, very well. Um, so, you know, he gets the, 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 the two teams on 44 points. Whether or not it changes momentum in terms of the title race, because kind of AIK had lost some momentum with a Degafort loss, hadn't they? I mean, going forward, do you... I mean, Malmo, we're going to talk about them in a minute, but if it was, if you were to say who finishes higher, AIK or your garden, which sort of court, which side of the court are you landing in? Yeah, you, you seem to sort of ask me this every week. In I know. Race and every week, it's um, your perspective changes slightly because it's just so, you know, we'll talk about Malmo in a minute. But, um, I mean, I, I still probably would. I'm still leaning towards Malmo winning the title, if I'm honest. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about them in a minute. Uh, if you're asking me just basically purely who will finish higher, AIK or, or Eurogarden, well, you've got, to look at, you've got to look at the schedule. And, you know, <clears throat> next game for... Uh, AIK is another dot.com derby. You know, after the international break, they've got mm. Hammer B away. Uh, then they've got North Shopping at home. Then they've got Malmo away. So, you know, in three games' time, we really will know about this team. And they've still got to go to Elfsborg as well. So they've got the harder run, I would say. Uh, AIK, they've still got a lot of big games to, to overcome. But they've got the momentum. You know, Eurogarden have got probably an easier, easier schedule now. Um, they're done in terms of Stockholm derbies. They don't have to worry about the ghost for another year. They can forget that and put that one to bed. You know, they still got to go to Hacken, EF Core, and Neuroshopping. Shopping. Maybe they're probably toughest games. 
Um, not sure if you call EF core that tough these days anyway. Hacken, you can argue. Uh, no shopping, uh, you know, we might talk about them in a minute because they are they're looking quite good, but um, I think they've got the easier running, so it's, it's really really hard to, to call it, you know, just based on kind of uh recency bias, you know, you'd probably say AIK, but to be honest, I still think your garden are quite a strong team. Um, as you've said, the, the, the two red cards kind of did impact this game quite a bit in terms of quality, and I think even outcome to a certain extent. Once Stefanelli had scored that goal, it was very difficult to really see your garden get back into it with 10 men. Um, but uh, they gave it a go, but yeah, it wasn't to be. So I think the emotion of it is the big thing. But with the international break coming now, that that the emotion will be out of everyone by two weeks' time. So I think it's probably a good time for your garden to have that break uh, and kind of sort of reassess and go again uh, for the last eight games when the break ends. Yeah, I think it felt to me like AIK had to win the game. Your garden could, al- could almost afford a, a defeat in it, considering the schedule and that. And, um, you know, I guess almost we're expecting defeat considering their, their history in the, in the in the derby games. Now, Sunday, what a day in football. I mean, the whole weekend, actually. Bayern Munich lost against Eintracht Frankfurt. Eintracht Frankfurt with 25 to 1 shots. PSG lost against Ren. I think Ren was something like an 8 to 1 shot in that game. And then in Sweden, Malmo lost at home to Mialbi. And you could have backed Mialbi nearly 10 to 1, Jonathan, to win this game a one goal to nil win. I mean, this looked like a, a free hit almost like a, an open goal for, for Malmo. You'd, have, you'd expect them to win this game, you know, 99 times of 100, wouldn't you? Um, I couldn't believe it when I saw this, this result. Um, but they lose at home to Mialbi. What went wrong and how do you explain it? Yeah, I mean, it's been described by Jonathan Thomas as a nightmare. He said it was a nightmare to win, uh, to lose, sorry. <clears throat> it was, he said it was a dream to have fans back. <clears throat> Excuse me, and, and a nightmare to lose. But I think I think they had about twenty-one thousand in, in in the in the stadium. I need to check that to, to verify it. But they had a good crowd as well. Obviously, fans back at, at uh, Mama Arena, the stadium. Um, but a nightmare result. Uh, the 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 band who's getting all the praise is um is the is the goalkeeper, of course. Uh, for for Mialbi, um, he he was. <laughs> Um, Thomason described it as they had three goalkeepers. That was his uh, his description of this game. Uh, he was also fuming about a penalty decision not given. Um, and he's kind of also talked about um, we're trying to win the title with also playing in the Champions League. Because don't forget, uh, in the week, they, they took a 4-0 beating at St. Petersburg um, in Russia. Got absolutely thrashed in that game, to be honest. Um, and, and they weren't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a good result for them in that game. I thought, uh, you know, they kind of let themselves a little down a little bit with the result they, they played quite well at times you know um there were periods of the game where you didn't think you know you didn't think there was too much between the two sides but they're just just you know at the other at each end of the pitch and then obviously there was a red card Armand Hudzic thinking that probably took it out of them as well and, and then coming back and having to play against Mialbi just probably you know will it will it catch up to them that's the big question you know will Champions League football impact them in the title race and um on the evidence of this game you could maybe say possibly it did yeah, I mean, it's always a concern, isn't it? This is my concern with Buda Glimt in, in Norway. But, you know, Champions League is a lot of a different level, isn't it? So that's a bad result for Malmo, I've got to say. You got you cannot be losing games like that if you want to win titles, in my opinion. Um, it put, but they're still in the race. They're only three points behind the top two. So it's all to play for, especially if they've got AIK to play um, fairly soon. So that's the state of affairs at the top of the league. Jürgen 44, AIK 44, Malmo 41 and Norshipping. And Elfsburg on 39. And Norsham have actually won the last four straight games. 
I mean, they're only five adrift. I don't know whether whether they could be classed as like a dark horse or is it just too much to, to ask there? Um, Kalmar on 37. They've had a really good season, haven't they? So, you know, you can't really look beyond that top six for any sort of title, um, can you really at the moment? Um, well, just on North Shopping, I think they've got probably arguably the best signing of the season, you could say, Alec Benro. Uh, he's Samuel Alec Benro has been fantastic. You know, uh, you know, I, I talked to you about him when he was in Norway. You know, we 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 thought he'd go on to big things um, when he was there, didn't we? And he's he's ended up in Osvenskan, and he, he was sort of, from a fancy point of view straight in my team, and he's he's done incredibly well. He's 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 a, he's a really good player at this level, um, and he's really helped turn North Shopping around. I think Rickard Norling's gradually getting them right. I think next season they could be quite da- quite dangerous, mm. be a dark horse. I think it'll be too late for them this season to win the title. But um, certainly in really, really good form at the moment, no shopping, and you, you can't kind of uh, rule them out. You could argue they have some fairly easy games as well. Though, that, you know, if you look at their sort of um, last six games, they've had Ostersunds, Orebro, Sirius, Varberg, and Hammerby. Uh, and Hammerby, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't really rate Hammerby, I have to say. Uh, always flattered to deceive for me. Beaten 3 1 at this weekend. Uh, Levi added Benham with two goals. Um, Hammerby manager apologised at the end of it and sort of said, that, you know, Sorry about that, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about Malmo. Malmo Mal- Mal could have gone top of the league if they won this game. You know, on goal difference, they would be top. So it was a really, really big disappointment. They've, they've got the best. They've scored the most amount of goals in the league by miles. <clears throat> you know, compared to the, the other top two, but they just they're leaking a lot of goals. And I think you know, a couple of the signings have just gone off a bit as well. Berman Savic, he, he, you know, much to the demise of my fantasy team, he's been quite poor recently. Even Kolak hasn't been firing on all cylinders, um, and so. There are one or two concerns about 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 Malmo. Um, I have to say, I, I still think for me, if you ask me right now, who'd win the league? I'd say them. But I, I do wonder if this Champions League is going to impact them because they, you know, they now got two games against Chelsea. So, you know, that is it's not exactly easy to recover from those sort of games either, is it? And, and you know, they they've got one they've got one foot out of the out of the tournament almost already. Really, they've won mm-hmm. two games. Um, will that impact what they do next? Who knows? So. Uh, but you've got to give, you know, you've got to give credit to Miabi in this one. By the way, we just want to sort of touch on them. Um, back, back, you know, the back line were really, really good. Didn't really suffer too much, um, you know. And and Miabi have gradually, since the new managers come in, have gradually looked a little bit stronger. Uh, and yeah, you've got to give a shout out to Carl Johan Eriksson, who, who, you know, he's been really, really good um, in goal. And one sort of quite funny, curious incident in this game. As they were celebrating in the locker room, uh, you know, on TV, you can imagine, imagine you're watching the Sky Sports on Sunday and, you know, the team's won and the camera cuts to the dressing room. Bit of an embarrassing moment, Steve, because a naked Samuel Brolin was filmed coming out of the shower, completely stark naked um, as the camera went in the room. And uh, it's kind of been a big story in Sweden. Um, It was posted on Instagram and he walks out there stark bollock naked, basically. and he described it as uh, it was really nothing, which I don't know exactly what he's referring to there. But he said, uh, <laughs> "I was in a hurry to get to the, I was in a hurry to get to the under because he's been called up for the under 21s. I was in a hurry to get there, so I had to hurry and have my shower. I came out and everyone's celebrating, and there I was." Um, <laughs> so he said, "I couldn't put myself in a towel either, so I wanted to join in, but I was naked." And uh, essentially, he said, uh, "He said it was his girlfriend who saw it and sent it to him." Um, so I don't know what exactly I don't know exactly what you're referring to there either, but 
Oh, I don't know. I don't quite know what to say about that. Well, basically, basically uh, yes. I mean, Samuel Rowland's girlfriend messaged him and said, there's someone in your Instagram video dancing around naked, and it turned out to be him. Um, so, yeah, a little funny moment from the Maui game, but uh, all in all, I think it was um, Namo had their pants pulled down in this match. <laughs> someone, you would have, well, you'd hope she'd recognise him naked, wouldn't you? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no further comment on this. It's... Uh, <laughs> Matt Mialby, right? They've kept seven consecutive clean sheets. I mean, that's unheard of in in Scandinavian leagues, unless you're a really top team. That's an unbelievable defensive performance. They face the likes of AIK, Yoga, and Malmo, Elfsborg, Hacken. That's that's mental. I can't believe this this clean sheet. I mean, have they been lucky? I'm going to have to look at some of the XG for this because this just this just doesn't feel. Right, this doesn't seem possible to me. I mean, Mialbi, they're not the most talented side, are they? Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. I mean, they they did ask about it before the game. Um, you know, it is a bit of a talking point, of course, the, this incredible record. They asked the captain, uh, David Lospist, about, you know, what's going on. They've changed, obviously, they've changed their manager in August. We didn't really talk about it, actually, but um, they brought in a new manager and, and they've sort of gradually improved since then. He said, you know, we tried to go out and just enjoy ourselves. His comments have been quite, he hasn't really said anything that insightful, but he just said, we're very loyal to each other. We, we try our best, you know, it's hard work. Um, fair play to Eric Carl, Carl Johan Eriksson, the goalkeeper. He's been incredible, to be honest. He's made some incredible saves um, in the weeks that have gone. And in, in some games, you could even include the Malmo game. He's kind of saved them. Um, but yeah, I don't know if this is just a bit of a, I wouldn't say fluke, because I think they are quite defensively organised and, and they do try and build from the back first. And, and I think they're also quite strong, you know, they've got quite robust players. They're quite good at from, you know, defending set pieces, things like that. They, they get their body in the way of, of that kind of thing. Not They're not an amazingly creative team, but they are quite sort of a, a strong unit. And I think the managers just kind of tighten that up, that side of it up, um, you know. So it's hard to really pinpoint. And, and like you say, I probably have to look into it a bit more. Um, but yeah, it's certainly, as you mentioned, an incredible clean sheet one. Yeah, right. Just before we finish off, I'm going to talk a bit, a little bit at the bottom of the table. Um, Super Etten, actually. Let's just give a quick mention to Super Etten here. Uh, 24 games played mostly. Of a team called Varnamo in the top of that league, 47 points. Gift Sundsvall on 43 and Helsingborg on 40 in the playoff spot right now. What odds would you give me on the playoff match being between Helsingborg and IFK Gothenburg right now? Jonathan, that would that would be a, an incredible playoff match, wouldn't it, between them two sides? Because, but it's quite realistic at the moment because IFK. Well, we talked about them a lot in the, the most recent uh, episode before Tom Dent one, and you know we don't need to go down that route again to the extent. But they keep losing games of football. Lost four in a row now, twenty-two points. It's so tight down there. I mean, it looks like Ossersons are probably gone, or a bro, and not, it's not looking not looking great for them. The playoff spot could literally go to any number of teams. There were probably five teams are in the mixer for the playoff spot. Maybe six if you go up as far as Varberg. I mean, you know, I, it's, it's, there's certainly some teams, at Halmstad as well, I know they get draws, but you, there's got to be concerns for several sides down there. Well, yeah, we did talk about EFK Jotoburg, and, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to I don't want to lay with a point. Uh, as I did on that last show, if you've not seen it, but not listened to it, but uh, they are now six points behind Varberg boys. Now, I actually did a little bit of research into this, Steve. They have never, EFK Jotoburg in their, in their hundred and, I think it was their birthday this week, in fact. It was, uh, what was it? I think their hundred and, um, 
what is it? It was they're, they're celebrating their, their anniversary essentially in terms of you know the club, uh, and in their hundred plus year history, they have never finished below Barbo boys ever. Um, so this is something history potentially in the making here. Uh, so you know, as I mentioned in the last show, it's, it's a scandal that they're playing 117 years by the way. Happy birthday, of course. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't think they'll go down. There were some people who they obviously they lost to Elsborg on on the Friday night game. Uh, I did watch this game, and it was kind of um, how it was one nil. I never know. Uh, Elsborg should have won this sort of three three nil at least. Um, quite wasteful, I thought. Uh, really, kind of, they almost let Eve Corp back into it. In fact, to be honest, um, they, they they didn't really. They got it over the line, but I didn't think Elfborg were. I thought they could have done a little better, but a bit better to be a bit more emphatic. Um, take them to fifth, but uh, Ef Corp. You know, I said it on the last show. I don't think they'll go down because it's just they're all, there's always going to be three worst teams. I might have to revisit those those comments at some point because they're now they're now one place above the relegation zone. Um, they've got a better goal difference by eight goals, minus eight versus minus sixteen. Degafors, but Degafors have, have picked up results in the last couple of weeks. You know, they they drew at Varberg and they beat Ark. So Degafors just showing one or two signs of maybe even a, a recovery there. They had a, a bit of a poor uh, incident in their game. Obviously, their one of their main players got sent off. Their best player. Uh, just so happened to be when I put him in my fantasy team. So uh, cheers for that. Um, but yeah, there's a, you know, Edvardsson got sent off, but um, there's there's an argument that EFC might actually fall into it. Now, personally, I still think they won't. You know, I think if you look at Halmstad, Degafors, um, even Miabi or Sirius, maybe, I think EFC will finally find, surely they'll find something uh, to get out of it. But it might not be out of the question that they could fall into that into that relegation playoff spot. I think Orebro and, and Ossesons are pretty much done. Uh, with eight games to go now, there's a six-point gap now between Orebro and Degafors um, for the relegation playoff place. Ossesons are really, you know, they're nine points off it now. So, you know, they are looking really red alert for them. Um, but the final relegation spot, yeah, could easily be one of maybe Miaubi, Hampstead, uh, EF Core. I don't think Sirius are completely out of it, but you know, you could argue they may may just have enough. Yeah, I mean, Mialby's form, because Mialby looked in big trouble, didn't they? And these two recent wins, along with the, you know, the, the, the clean sheets, you know, they're certainly not safe by any means, but, you know, the, the form of themselves, Hecken obviously got themselves out of trouble after early season trouble. I mean, the two big games in the next round stand out to me, IFK against Orebro and Degafor against Halmstad. I mean, Degafor Halmstad immediately, to me, feels a draw. Halmstad just don't do anything else but draws, do they? 11 draws out of 22. Uh, feels like a point apiece, doesn't it? But, you know, if IFK, just say they were to lose to Urubro at home, hypothetical, that is that when it get would get serious and they've got to think about maybe even changing the manager again? Um... To be honest, I think I think Oribos is a sort of game at home. I think they, they could win that. You know, don't forget they're probably going to have. Um, I'm not sure if they have a full house, but they'll have fans back. So, I think to a certain extent they could have a big crowd for that game. I don't really rate Oribos. I think they're quite a poor side. I I, I do think we could be seeing the end of Oribos, which is quite a big story by the way in itself because they've they've been around ever since we started this podcast. You know, in the league they, they, they've always been kind of there or thereabouts mid table ish. Uh, with Axel Kjell in charge, he's obviously taking a back seat now. as more of a director role more of a kind of a technical director or whatever um but you know them going down will be a big thing but i, I just get the feeling ef call pick up some wins you know if they don't be if they don't win that horrible game they're in serious trouble because then they've got to go to Miabi, 
Then they've got Yogarden, Degafors away, Malmo at home. And I think if they get to, you know, if they get to the last three games, Sirius away, Ostersunds at home, Norshopping away, they, they might be squeaky for them. But I don't know. I just I just do see, I still see enough points there for EF Core to stay up. I, I, I don't think they'll go down, uh, if I'm honest. They, they always seem to get away with it. Um, but in terms of in terms of who 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 else could could sort of um you know who else will be in that in that in that bracket I I still think Degafors you know the, the loss of Advarsen is going to be quite a big blow by the way he's a major player for them he's got a, you know a lot of goals this season is that one game band you know or is it more I uh, I'll have to confirm that I'm pretty sure it's a might I think it was a straight red so maybe yeah you never know with him do you yeah sometimes it gets reviewed so I don't I don't think I'm not even sure right now. But you know he's going to be missing at least the next game, which is, you know, quite a big game for them against Hamstad, as you mentioned. Then they got to go to Orebro. Um It's it's really really hard to call at the moment. It's really yeah. really hard to call. It, it certainly is, and you know, it gets top billing on the Sunday the seventeenth. Uh, it's the half past five kickoff time over there in Sweden. I'll certainly tune in for the first half hour before Elite Serien, I think, for IFK Orebro and see how they got, get on in that one. But uh, it ought to play for at both ends of the table. Okay, well, that's the end of part two of this episode. Stick around, though, because we're joined by Henry at Football in DK, uh, who's joining us as a guest to talk about, surprise, surprise, all things Denmark. So, yeah, see you after the break. Welcome to this section of the Nordic Football Podcast, and we are moving to Denmark now. And I'm delighted to say that, uh, backed by popular demand, is our good friend and colleague uh, Henry at Football in Denmark. Uh, Henry runs a successful Twitter account covering Danish football, um, and <clears throat> we had him on for a season preview um, several episodes back. If you dig through in the archives, you'll see it. And yeah, we've we've had a good response to it, and we're gonna sort of cut, dip back into into Denmark now during the international break. So, uh, Henry, how are you this day? How's it? <laughs> hey, what's going on, man? Uh, thanks for having me back on. Um, yeah, all is good. All is good. We're we're halfway through the sort of regular season stage of uh, of the Superliga, and um, it's as exciting as anticipated. Yeah, I can imagine. <clears throat> so we're kind of eleven games in at the moment, just looking at the table. And there's a lot to talk about, so we will we will get into it shortly. But uh, you came on for the season preview, and obviously you gave your predictions. You, you gave some players to watch. Um, what's been your overall kind of impression of the first sort of 10, 11 games before we get into the show? You know, you enjoying it? How's it been? Um, has it lived up to your expectations? You know, what's been the the key highlights so far? How's everything going? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, the the, um, the thing about last season was so many of the games took place behind closed doors, and that one of the things that's really struck me about this season is just how much better football is with supporters in the stadium. And, you know, it's, it's an obvious point, but it really brings it home. Um, you know, not just going in person, but even watching on TV, just so much better when you've got um, the atmosphere and you've got the reaction to goals and the reaction to what's happening on the pitch. Uh, and I think you can see the players take, um, you know, they take energy from that and, and it, it, the flow of the game is is much more affected by what's going on in the stands. Uh, so that's been that's been really good, and uh, you know, been particularly impressed by the um, 
we're going to get into the specific teams, but I've been particularly impressed by the the promoted teams this season. You know, they've really brought something new and fresh to the uh, to the league and have made it a really exciting exciting contest. And I, I think just you know looking through the table, with the exception of the team in in last place, there's there's not more than three points separating any team, uh, and so it's really competitive, and the table is shifting after every round of of results. So I've been really enjoying it. Yeah, I won't. <clears throat> I won't sort of. Um, you know, we we did a season preview, and you named your sort of predict- predictions, uh, and you also named eight players to watch or, or on that show. Um, but as you know, and as we know, anyone who, who covers football in Scandinavia knows that uh, they might not stick around for too long. Um, just looking through your names now of the eight that you named, kind of, uh, I'm pretty sure quite a few of them have, have left the league already. So let's start with before we get into the kind of that, the meat of the transfers of, of the sorry the, the league and how how teams are doing. Um, what have been the key sort of transfers in and out of the of the league? Because um, even from Sweden, in our perspective, there's been a few moving to to Denmark after we recorded your preview. So, yeah, what's what's the state of the league at this moment in time? Is it is it draining players or is it gaining players? What's what's been the outlook? Yeah. So the I mean the, the irony is I, l- I left players off that players to watch list, anticipating their transfers, and uh, the, of course they left, but <laughs> way more players than I was even expecting left and. I think it's just part and parcel of uh, of watching the, this league. You know, when players reach a ceiling, they're moved on very quickly for for good money. And I think what what's been extraordinary this summer in terms of transfers is just the the fees that we're seeing. I think before this before this window, the um, the highest fee ever received from from a Superliga team was around uh, nine ten million euros, I believe. Um, and this summer alone, we've seen two players go for more than that and um just that yeah the, the sheer volume of, of quality players leaving the league this summer was was extraordinary so if we take it from the top um you know the the, the like the big the biggest name to to leave was Kamal Dean Suleimana and I think everyone was anticipating him to leave it was just a question of of where he was going and for a while it looked like he might be going to Ajax and he ended up leaving for um for Ren where he's just absolutely tearing it up in in League One, so a real sort of vindication of his talent. Um, but he left for 15 million euros, which is just a astronomical figure for a Super League club. And you know, I'm I'm pretty sure that within a few years, Ren will be flipping him for two, three times that. He's just he's an extraordinary talent. Yeah, in fact, uh, funnily enough, I, I was watching Ren PSG the other day, and he was he was man of the match. That was yesterday. In fact, uh, he was quality in that game. Really, really good. Um, there's been a lot of buzz about Suleimana and I, I'm no surprise to see him sort of adapting to French football quite quickly and well. So, uh, yeah, it's a good, good call there on that one. And, um, yeah, he, he looks a top prospect, doesn't he, really? What, I mean, what one name that uh, springs to mind that I'm just going to throw at you straight away because I'm, I'm interested to know how he's getting on uh, is Isaac Bergman Johansson. Now, he's a, a, an Icelandic star who we, he was one of my ten to watch, um, not this season, the season before. And he's gone on and he's been incredible, really. And, and he's moved to FC Copenhagen. Um, now, that was a move that kind of just came out of the blue. It almost seemed out of nowhere, really. Uh, I think it was a record transfer, one, you know, a very high-profile transfer anyway. Um, how's he getting on? You know, what other big names would you sort of point out that have come, come into the league uh, that have maybe caught your eye? Yeah, so I, I think you're right. It was out of the blue. I think it was on deadline day. Um, he was signed for four and a half uh, million euros. And um, w- w- I mean, there was a lot of a lot of hype about him. And I don't watch a lot of Swedish football, but I I, I remember you talking about him 
in very glowing terms. And certainly just taking the, the temperature on Twitter, it seemed like there was a lot of excitement about this guy. And, you know, at 18, he is um, he's, he's being eased into the team at the moment. He still hasn't started a, a competitive game for FC Copenhagen, but um, he's, he's playing sort of 20, 30 minutes a game. Uh, and last weekend got his first assist, came on, played a really smart, driven cross into to Jens Stager for the goal. And I, I can see I can see flashes of brilliance in him that I think are only gonna get um only gonna get stronger. So it's really exciting. And I think after FC Copenhagen lost a number of quality players that this summer, it was really important for them to to bring in someone who could excite the fans and and uh and fit into that quite attractive style of football they play. Uh, and it certainly seems like he's gonna be the guy. Uh, and you know could end up turning out for England. Yeah, I've said it quite a few times. He's you know, born in Sutton Coalfield. Uh, I'm going to end up being like one of those ITV commentators who sort of never, <laughs> never let you forget it. Um, but yeah, no, he's uh, he's a, he's a really really good player. Keep an eye out for him. Anyone who's listening, um, who is here for Danish football and 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 maybe hasn't seen him in Sweden before. Yeah, really really top talent. Uh, I really like him. I think he'll play in the Premier League. I think he's 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 a, he's a star in the making. Um, Henry, tell me about the league because we're 11 games in. Uh, just looking at the table now, we've got Michelin top, FC Copenhagen second, uh, and Aalborg third. So, have you been surprised at kind of uh, how the, you know the start of the season's gone? Is it? Is it? I mean, one one observation I have from from Sweden and, and even Norway to a lesser extent. Um, I don't cover Norway as much, but Sweden in particular, like the, the return of fans has been just such a massive boost to the league. Uh, in Sweden, we talked about it earlier in the show, but 40%, uh, sorry, 40,000 plus at the Stockholm Derby this just past weekend gone. I mean, tell us about how the league's going. Any surprises you've seen in the league so far in terms of the table and also how much of an impact is is fans having on kind of the flow of the table and that compared to last season? Yeah, so I think, I think in the season preview, I, I said I thought it would be a... A two-horse race between FC Copenhagen and FC Michelin, and it, it certainly seems like that's that's how it's playing it out. Those two are really um, slugging it out for the title, uh, and I think both of them look excellent. Uh, they've both had to deal with big departures, so um, you know, FC Copenhagen have lost uh, Victor Nelson, their sort of talismanic centre back. Uh, they lost Victor Fisher, who, whilst not performing at the the levels that were sort of expected from him he was still you know an experienced head in that dressing room uh and they lost Mohamed Darami who was looking like he was going to be this season's Suleimana this season's sort of super in, um exciting attacking winger and you know before he was sold to Ajax he was averaging the most dribbles per match of any player in the league uh so over four dribbles a game with a success rate of 81 percent and just sort of to put that in context Good wingers usually average around 50-60% in this metric. So like it was really an incredible season he was he was looking like having before he left. So I think in that context of uh of of losing those players, um FC Copenhagen have really come out of the blocks. But Michelin have matched them. And you know, we talk about Michelin and departures, you know, they've lost Alexander Schultz, uh, a really important centre back. They lost last season's top scorer in uh Sorry Kaba. They lost Frank Onyeka to um, to Brentford, and they lost Anders Dreyer, who this season, you know, until last weekend, was still leading their their goals and assists. You know, scored a hat trick on his debut for um, Ruben Kazan. So, you know, both teams have lost loads of players, and yet they both look really strong. And I think that what's been 
what's been the sort of basis of that for, for Michelin is that they've got the best defence in the league, uh, you know, despite losing Schultz. Um, Sviatchenko is really stepping up. I think bringing in Henrik Dalsgaard from, uh, from Brentford has really kind of brought that experience. And Michelin are very big on, uh, on Brazilian players and they signed a guy called Janinho. And he's really settled in seamlessly at centre-back after, after moving from Palmeiras. And I think when you add to that really solid um, defence, the fact that they have the best save, save percentage in the league and the fact that your friend of mine, Jens Cahoust, uh, is now back in the side. I think there was some talk about him maybe moving, so he wasn't playing at the beginning of the season. Um, but, you know, add him to the mix and you've got a really well-drilled unit. Um, and, and that then gives their forward line the opportunity to create havoc and you know Drea was really running the show before his move but subsequently you you know you, you've got Isaacson you've got Pione Sisto uh, and you've got Mabel and I think that those three rotating for, for two spots with Bramado at centre forward is really starting to um, to produce the goods you know Bramado scored a hat-trick last weekend He's got six goals this season, so he's joint top of the, the, the top scorers list. So they look like a really sort of complete package. Um, FC Copenhagen, you know, are, are running them close. I think that they're three points they're three points away, and they were actually unbeaten this season until they lost 1-0 at home to 10-man FC Michelin. Um, and the, their success has really been built on... Um, uh, a number of a number of players uh, who we didn't mention um, in the in the season preview necessarily, but um, attacking midfielder called uh, Pet Biel, and he's really stepped up this season. He's become a goal machine. Um, so across all competitions, he's got nine goals, eight assists already. Um, you've got Jens Stager, who's who's got eight goals and two assists, um, and he's got this extraordinary statistic where fifty percent of his shots this season have been goals in the league. That's how. <laughs> That's how accurate his shooting's been. Um, so you've got goals coming from midfield, which is sort of making up for the fact that Jonas Wind, wh- whilst he's looked really impressive, he still hasn't uh, he still hasn't really got going in terms of goal scoring this season. But I think you add to that this combination of attacking fullbacks. So they've got Kevin Dix on the right um, and uh, a, a young academy prospect Victor Christiansen on the left, and those two are just. Um, overlapping and, and really getting involved in, in the attacking build-up. So Kevin Dix has seven goals, five assists uh, across all competitions, which, you know, at this point of the season is kind of extraordinary attacking numbers for, for a fullback. And, you know, he was showing that sort of form last season on loan um, at Aarhus. And he's really, you know, he's up there with the best signings of the summer, I think, um, at FC Copenhagen. So, you know, those two those two teams are really slugging it out at the moment and he kind of could flip a coin. Um, it could end, it could end up being, you know, the team that goes further in Europe perhaps maybe won't have um, enough ammunition to hang on in the league, but, you know, let's see, there, there's still a lot of, um, a lot of time to go and, you know, both teams are going to play each other several times more this season. So you never know. Yeah, just looking at the, uh, the results from the most recent round of games, as you mentioned there, um, Michelin won 4-0 against uh, Aarhus. Uh, Bramado with a hatchet, Junior Bramado, Brazilian Brazilian player there, as you've mentioned. Um, and FC Copenhagen got a draw against Viborg, a one-all draw, which kind of uh, obviously drop in points um, at this moment in time. And looking at the you know the top scorers in the league, as you've mentioned there, Pep, Pep Biel, uh, Junior Bramado and Mikel Ura of Bromby, uh, they're all tied on six goals. Um, I mean, the biggest surprise that I've seen just looking at the table and just from my general knowledge, 
is seeing Bromby in eighth, kind of quite low down in the table, uh, and also seeing Arborg in, in third. Can you can you tell us a little bit about those teams? I mean, Mikelura is someone um, who is obviously topping the goal scoring charts, but it doesn't seem to have maybe clicked for, for Bromby this season. What what's been happening there? Because um, you know the that's one of you know I know when you came on the last show we talked a bit about the derby and how big that that, that sort of Danish derby is between them and FC Copenhagen and that was uh, they lost that four two didn't they uh, in the early rounds in the fourth round um, that seems to have maybe impacted their season didn't get the best of starts either did they three draws to start the campaign I mean what is that a surprise within Denmark and to yourself that they've kind of been a bit of a slow starter. I think it's a. I think it is a real surprise. I mean, they lost um, Jesper Lindstrom in the summer, who last season was their, uh, you know, was their top player. I know. I know Ura finished the season as top scorer, but I think Lindstrom had ten goals, ten assists last season, and he was, he was a really um, important part of everything they did. So l- losing him was a blow. But at the same time, I think that this that their kind of complete failure to put up a title defense this season has been really. Um, it's been really unexpected. Um, and I think that, you know, as you say, um, is contributing. I think Simon Hedlund is too, but on the whole, they look very shaky. Um, and I have to say that, you know, earlier this season, they did lose quite a number of players uh, uh, through um, COVID, uh, COVID outbreak and having to self-isolate. And that, re- that really didn't help them. But at the same time, I think they've only won twice this season. Um, and they they just look like a shadow of last season's team. Um, and what's really curious is that they've made the fewest substitutions in the league. Uh, you know, which for a team that's competing in Europe strikes me as really as really strange. Um, and they do look a bit they do look a bit leggy. Um, and you're right to bring up the derby. You know, I I, I think uh, for, from a neutral perspective, that was probably. The spectacle of the season, you know, after a season with no fans in the stadium, to have, uh, you know, a packed park and, uh, you know, the the away end was um, had flares and choreography. The home end was, um, you know, two tiers of choreography. It was just an amazing spectacle and six goals and the game was swinging one way and then the other. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing. But I think that, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's been a real surprise to see Bromby where they are. Um, and you, you know they're competing in the Europa League at the same time, um, and I think that that failure to replace what Lindstrom brought them, um, I think they've they've tried to do that through uh, Mateus Grev, who they signed from Randers, but it hasn't clicked yet. And you, you know it's not just Bromby; there are a few teams actually who've who've disappointed this this year and really sort of underperformed, but. Um, the season's only 11 games in, so there's there's still a chance for them to put something together, but it doesn't look promising. Given how big they are as a club, Bromby, uh, you know, for those who don't know Danish football that well, obviously, um, is it kind of, is it one of those stories that's is it deemed like a crisis? I mean, if you look in, in Sweden, you know, we've got EFK Jotterberg, who are a massive club traditionally, but they're in a massive crisis and, and it's really taken up a lot of airtime. Is Bromby's kind of season so far because um, I think you in your season preview predicted them sort of top three, so it seems like it really is a, a bit of a fall from grace how they're doing. Is, is it is it one of those things where there really is you know is it a big fuss about it? Is there maybe pressure on the manager, uh, or I, is it kind of you know uh, too early? I think that I think that expectations were definitely raised. I think at the beginning of last season, uh, no one really expected them to win the title, and the the run they put together to win it was really. Um, 
was really unexpected. And so I, I think naturally expectations for this season were raised. I think that where they are now is is clearly below where they should be. Um, perhaps I was over ambitious with my um, preseason prediction, but thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> but I still think that the, the sixth place in the in the table, which you know gets you a place in the championship group, I think that's going to be really hotly contested. And I think that Bromby are probably one of four teams who could um, credibly take that take that place. So, you know, I wouldn't rule them out of getting into the championship group, but I think um, I think getting anywhere above fifth perhaps is going to be too much for them this season. I'm yeah. fully prepared to have egg on my face though, because I also <laughs> predicted Viola to be sixth at the end of the season and they're currently bottom with zero wins. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's very early days, so, you know, th- things could obviously change and uh, listen, if anyone's got predictions wrong, I, I definitely will be the first to hold my hands up. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't be the, I would not in any position to, to point it out. But yeah, it, it just seems a bit of a surprise how, how they've done. Um, what, what can you tell us about uh, Aarhus? Because they're there, as you said as well, that, that that's kind of, um, sorry, not Aarhus, Alborg being in third. That, that seems like a, a bit of a surprise as well. Only six points off the top of the table. Yeah, so I mean, I think they've been um, they've been phenomenal this season. I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting huge things from them this season, especially since you know their their sort of talisman Lucas Anderson was ruled out for the season. Um, but they're sitting in third. You know, they've got a great combination of a, a very solid defense. You know, their keeper Jakob Rina has been superb uh, and a very productive attack. They've got. Um, Iver Fossum uh, playing the sort of the number 10 role excellently. He's got five goals, four assists. Uh, and they've got arguably, um, alongside Kevin Dix, perhaps the, 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 the best right back in the league at the moment in uh, Christopher Pallison. And he's creating absolute havoc from, from right back. So he's got five assists already. So, you know, they don't have the pressure of European football as well. Uh, and so, yeah, they've, they've been a really pleasant surprise. And um, the, the, they're sort of going from strength to strength at the moment. There's no reason why they 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 can't look for a top four finish and and try and bag a place in Europe. Yeah, it's always great to see teams that maybe you know a bit unexpected, um, you know, starting well at least. And you know, you got Randers as well in fourth place. Uh, so it certainly seems like the table's shaping up nicely, uh, top and bottom. Bottom, yeah. bottom, of the, bottom of the table, we've got V. In the bottom three, we've got Viborg, uh, Sonderiska, and and Velja. Uh, I think I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Is there is there any surprises there? I mean, Norseland as well in seventh. Is there any surprises lower down the table, or is, are things going kind of as expected? Yeah, so I'm, I, I might just talk through a few a few surprises in that part of the table. So I think Arus, you know, probably run Bromby close in terms of uh, the biggest surprise. They were really excellent last season and deservedly took a place in Europe. You know, they finished in that fourth spot where you 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 play in a, a European playoff and they, they won that. Um, they got knocked out in Europe in the first round um, of Europa Conference qualifying by a, a Northern Ireland team called Lana. Um, and that was, you know, uh, th- that was a, like a massive giant killing. And I think a real big part of the problem is, has been a lack of creation. You know, they've had the least number of shots in the league. Um, and recently, you know, we're talking like the last few weeks, it looked like they were sort of starting to get back on their feet. But then this weekend just gone, they lost 4-0 to, to Mitchelland. Um, and so, yeah, it's really been an extraordinarily slow start from them. I think on the plus side, they signed um, they signed Eric Carl, uh, who you all know from, um, from I-Core. And he looks excellent. He looks like a really good acquisition for them. Um, he's already chipped in with two goals and two assists from, from left back, but he, he looks very promising. 
Um, but another thing that was really strange about them is that this season they're the most fouled team, but they've also committed the most fouled. So when you watch an Aru's game, you know that you're guaranteed some scraps. Um, and last season they scored the most set piece goals of any team. So you'd have thought, you know, the team getting the most free kicks in the league, you know, surely that would play into their hands. But, you know, they're averaging less than a goal a game. And that they just, again, look like they look so far off what they what they were producing last season. Um, I also wanted to mention Viola, like you say, um, that they are, I mean, it, it's hard to call it this early, but I think that it does look quite bad for them at the moment. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get relegated, you know, that they, after 11 games, they've got no wins, they've lost nine, they've only scored seven goals and they've conceded 29. Uh, it just really doesn't make pleasant reading for their fans. They lost um, Wahid Fagir, who's, you know, that they're kind of big prodigious talent uh and clearly that hasn't helped he wasn't he you know he wasn't exactly pulling up trees but he was you know their big prospect um and i think they were always expecting to sell him but to lose him you know several games into a, what was looking like a flat season hasn't helped and the fact that they haven't got any output whatsoever from alan souza um is is really apparent you know their defense looks very flat-footed and slow and you know they're eight points from safety, and I think even even at this point that looks in, you know insurmountable. I can't see them putting together a run. Um, so that's <clears throat> yeah, that's been that's been really disappointing for their for the, for their supporters. Um, in terms of other kind of surprises, I think you, you know on uh, alongside Alborg, I think Silkeborg have probably been the biggest positive surprise. You know, for, for a promoted team to be fifth at this this stage of the season is really quite remarkable. And they started the season off with three consecutive nil-nils, which you know, doesn't sound like much. But I think for a promoted team to come up and have three clean sheets in a row just shows how kind of dogged and tenacious they can be defending. Um, and even at this point, they've only lost twice. Um, and lately they've been adding goals to that equation too. So uh, Sebastian Jorgensen has five, um, and yeah, they, they, they look like they're, they're really sort of making the most of the fact that they're new to the league and, uh, and teams don't necessarily know how they play. And or kind of on a similar vein, the other promoted team, Viborg, you know, they're sitting in tenth. So if you just look at the table, they perhaps don't look that impressive, but I think they've again, been one of the big positive surprises. And, you know, for me, outside of the top two teams, I think that Viborg um, are the, the most exciting side to watch this season. You know, they're the second highest XG in the league. I think only FC Copenhagen are higher. They've had some extraordinarily poor finishing, which means that they've, you know, drastically underperformed in terms of goals, which is why they're 10th. They're but they've got a left back called uh, Christian Sorensen, uh, and he's really stood out. He's actually the most creative player in the league statistically um, and by some distance. Very sort of exciting attacking left back. And if they're, if they're sort of main number nine, Sebastian Groning, if he'd been more clinical, then he'd be at the top of the goal scoring charts. He's, he's only got three, but, you know, he should have nine or ten. Um, and so th they've been a real positive surprise. And I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the season if they uh, if, if they're sort of more towards uh maybe seventh eighth uh than tenth um i think they've got more to give and you know th this weekend bagging a draw against fc copenhagen albeit it was a sort of 95th minute um disaster own goal but at the same time i i 
I think they they scrapped during that game and they deserved a point at the end of it. Um, and finally, you mentioned Nordsland, and they're one of the hardest teams to predict in the league. So I think a bit like last season, they can look absolutely electric going forward, but they've got a defence that just isn't at the same level. And so you, you never know what you're going to get from them. Um, and I think, you know, coupled with the fact that the youngest team in the league and by some distance, um, you, they're a real mixed bag. You know, they've got huge talents coming through in the in the form of Sheldrup and Villardson. Um, I think what is interesting, though, is they've become one of the better pressing teams in the league this year. Um, so last season, they were ranked as the worst pressing team in the league. Um, and this season, only three teams, I think, uh, win possession in the opposition half more than them. And they also allow the least amount of passes before initiating a defensive action. So like a tackle, an interception, a pressure. So I think there's signs that they're they're implementing something new um, that could yet bear fruit once it beds in. But for the moment, it's a little bit like um, a, an actor learning their lines and uh, haven't learned them all just quite yet. Yeah, really fascinating stuff. And, you, you know, you mentioned uh, V-Borg there. So anyone who wants to watch a team, that could be one to watch. And also uh, Wally Fagir, actually, just on that one there, he... Uh, he moved to Stuttgart in in the, in uh, in Germany for roughly four million pounds according to transfer mark. So uh, certainly talent is moving from Denmark to, to bigger leagues as well as Norway and Sweden. Uh, Henry, I'm going to kind of um, you know we we'll push for the time a little bit. I'm going to ask you uh, a couple of questions. In your opinion, based on what you've seen so far, I mean you you predicted um, FC Copenhagen to win the title. Do, would you still stick with that? Would you say? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's a coin toss between them, them and Mich I think it's a coin toss between them and Michelin. But um, if I if I had to if I had to make a call now, I'd say I'd say FC FC Copenhagen. Yeah. And in your opinion, for those who uh, you know maybe new to the league, who, who would you say is the is the best manager or one or two managers that you sort of look at? And uh, you know, in Sweden at the moment, we obviously there's a bit of talk around Graham Potter because he's doing so well at Brighton and obviously managed in in Sweden at Ostersunds. Do you, is there any kind of like star Danish managers, especially Mitchell and maybe potentially, you know, with their Brentford connection, is there anyone we need to look out for that <clears throat> catches your eye that you enjoy? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mentioned them just now, but I, I think um, the Viborg manager, um, Lars Fries, um, he's, I, I, I just love the, I love the football that his team plays. Um, it's been really refreshing to watch uh, a promoted team come up and, you know, not just, not just play very defensively, uh, but, you know, go out and attack teams. And he's very animated on the sideline. You know, he's got um, sort of uh, big clear glasses and like flowing blonde hair. And he's just like, he just seems like quite a character. So, yeah, I, I've, I, I've particularly enjoyed um, watching him pacing the sidelines. That's brilliant. And finally, uh, we can never let this show go without some players to watch. So, um you know, you, you picked out some great, great calls on your on your eight players to watch. Anyone who hasn't listened to that, go back. Um, the season preview is still well worth a listen uh, for some great ins insight from Henry. And I won't go through the players you, you name, but uh, you can listen to that back on the show. Some of them have left, if you say. So if, you, if you're sort of looking, <clears throat> if you were naming maybe, say, three or four players to look out for for the rest of this season, th maybe three or four who have impressed you that you maybe didn't expect, you know, who have come out of nowhere, uh, who would you sort of say to the listeners to keep an eye out for? Yeah, I think, I, I mean... I th 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 there's there's loads of great talent in the league, but I I would say in terms of ones to watch that that maybe some interesting additions to the list, I would add uh, Sorensen, the the left back from Viborg. I think um, you know as we said he's he's been the most creative player in the league, and I think just 
Um, watching his uh, progression from the first division to the Super League has been brilliant. So I would keep an eye out for him um, uh, at Viborg. Um, I think, obviously, for those who, who watch the Super League, who, who don't watch the Allsvenskan, um, I'm really keeping an eye on uh, Johannesson uh, just to see how, how he progresses. And I, I think it will be a matter of time before he's starting. Um, and it's going to be really exciting to see his progression. So I would add him to the list too. And I think that um, since uh, Anders Dreyer's departure from uh, from Midtjylland, uh, Gustav Isaksen has, has really sort of owned that, that right-wing role. Um, and he's a, a fantastic talent to watch um, for, for Michelin on the wing. So I, I would say I would say those three. Um, but perhaps also Victor Christiansen uh, at FCCO, um, uh, you know, left back. And he, he was he was linking up really nicely with, with uh, Mohamed Darami. And I, I wondered how he would get on without that um, without that link up. But he's, he's he's carried on very strongly. And I think that. You know, at 18, he's got a massive future ahead of him and I, I think potentially a, a future national team player. So uh, I would also keep a, keep an eye out for him. Yeah, Drea, as you mentioned there, uh, he's moved to Ruben Kazan uh, from, yeah. from Michelin and Dharami as well has gone to Ajax. So certainly, as, as I said, you know, there's a lot of players that you, you've picked out there who've, who've sort of gone on and done well. So uh, keep an eye out for those, those names you just mentioned there. Uh, it's Henry, it's great as always to get you on the show. I'm sure we're going to bring you on again in, in the weeks to come uh what where can people find you yeah so uh, i mean one of one of the great things about um uh, about watching uh, a league that, that not many people uh watch in this country is that you know we get to have conversations about it on twitter uh because i don't know too many people in real life who, who've watched the danish super league so yeah come and find me at, um at football in dk on twitter and there's um yeah, there's great conversations happening each week about games and uh, and lots of lots of great people to to build your knowledge with. So you know, I want to shout out to uh, Bashir OPS, um, uh, a, a, another another guy on Twitter who's who does some fantastic analysis and deep dives, and he's helped with some of the statistics today. So yeah, thank you to him and thank you to everyone who um, who makes the uh, the watching of a foreign league that much more exciting. And one final question: I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Maybe, uh, what what would you say has been the most sort of eye-catching moment of the season so far for you? Like the best memory you've had this season, maybe watching the league. Has there been anything that sort of really that you've most enjoyed, whether it was a game or you know an incident or uh, anything? I think it was when the, the the Copenhagen derby was stopped after a few minutes because the the, the smoke from the flares was uh, was so intense that it blocked the <laughs> the TV cameras. And I think that just like I think that just showed everyone like football is back and supporters are back and you know um like this wouldn't have happened a year ago yeah. uh so i think like that that moment was was uh w- was good maybe not so great if you're inhaling lots of smoke <laughs> in the stands but um but yeah from a, a spectacle point of view it really uh it really showed you know what an at- what an atmosphere you can get in the superliga and and um yeah what the the big games are all about yeah, I've got to get myself to a, a derby in Denmark one day. It looked, it looked incredible. I think I think I saw one of your tweet retweets as well um, from the from that day. And I remember looking at it thinking, yeah, this looks quality. Let's so, do it. Yeah, let's do it yeah. next year. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Henry. Hope everyone listeners have enjoyed um, the section on Denmark. And uh, yeah, we will we will get definitely get you back on soon. So thank you so much, uh, Henry, for joining. Cool. Thank you. That was Henry uh, at Football in uh, DK. Thank you very much indeed. Um, great stuff, uh, Jonathan, as ever. And um, well, that's it for for this episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. We've covered uh, all the top three leagues this uh, 
this particular week. And um, as we head into the international break, uh, this is the place, isn't it, for all things uh, Scandinavian football? It is indeed. Always will be and always has been. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, like uh, as you said there, we've brought you kind of a, net, a, bit, a bit more of a show for this this two weeks to get you through. And it's really good to get insight from Henry on, on Denmark. I think, uh, you know, hopefully that, that gives an update to, to listeners who maybe want something a little bit different for the for the week. So, yeah, we will see you soon. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Nordic Footpod. You can also, um, well, we are still on Facebook, Facebook Nordic Football Podcast. We haven't actually run that for quite some time, but you know, if anyone wants to join and, and help us out running that page, you know, hit us up when uh, if Facebook ever comes back. And of course, also Patreon, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast, if you would like to sort of contribute and support us on, on via the Patreon for more bonus episodes. Uh, we'll be back probably maybe in a week's time. We, we are working on some other guests alongside Tom Dent and Henry. But for now, yeah, that's uh, good, to, good to see you, Steve. And uh, I'll see you again soon. Always a pleasure, Jonathan, my friend. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you again very soon. Take care and goodbye.